0: We will round out our draft coverage with our corner and safety
1: rankings. For example, like someone like Kenny Galladay, I read something where he makes 50-50 balls, 60-40. I think J.C. Horn does that in the other direction. He is more often than not going to disrupt that pass.
2: He's ready to burst out the seam, and you find the right team that just helps him, you know, give him that little push, and he is going to shoot out, and he's going to be dominant. I have every belief in this kid that he can become a dominant corner in the league. I think he could
0: be a CJ Henderson esque player once he enters the league. <laughs> Welcome to the WNP Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mitchelson, and joining me today, as always, my co-host, Chase Krasha. Chase, how you doing?
2: I'm doing pretty swell, if you can believe it or not. We are recording super late compared to normal. A little weird, kind of looking outside and seeing pitch black because I always leave my blinds open in this window. So it's a little weird, but I'm chilling. That's good. And special guest,
0: Alec King. Alec, glad to have you on the show. How you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to
1: be back yet again.
0: It's awesome. And yeah, like Chase mentioned, we're recording a little bit late. It's Wednesday night, coming up around 10, 15 p.m. And we decided, hey, let's crack out some beer. So, boys, what are you drinking? Alec, I'll start with you.
1: I am drinking a pre-made Moscow Mule in a can. Pretty, pretty fire. Very nice.
2: Very good. And Chase, you... So I'm trying out this this new uh, little thing that I never had before. I bought them a while ago, kind of forgot about them, and found them underneath my desk. It's a Bacardi limon and lemonade, real rum cocktail. It's in a in a little like tall, kind of skinny can, kind of like what you'd see a seltzer in, and it's it's not bad. Um, I like the like original taste, but the kind of the aftertaste after I, I swallowed it's been sitting in my mouth for 30 seconds. It's a little weird. So I mean I'll enjoy like drinking it. If I gotta chug it, I can chug it no problem. But kind of afterwards, I I, don't know, I think I need like some food with it. Are you playing the game of life, Chase? I always am. Okay. Um,
0: so I, I figured I'd try to get one of you, and I figured that Alec might not have had it, so I was going to ask Chase because I didn't want to have to wait a minute to two minutes to have someone chug their drink. But <laughs> Excuse I, me.
1: Excuse <laughs> me. I chug pretty quick. Come on.
0: Okay, my bad. I didn't how know feeling, how tall champ? the Moscow meals were. Shut up, Chase. <laughs> Um, And on my end, guys, I am drinking a Grizzly Pear from Blake's Hard Cider. Um, It's solid. Yeah, it's solid. So I've got a triple jam lined up for my second beverage. But today on the WNP podcast, we are going to be talking uh, a couple different things. First, we'll be talking about a former first overall selection heading to the Cleveland Browns. We'll talk about the fourth overall selection in this upcoming draft. The Atlanta Falcons own it. What are they going to do with it? Is it going to be a trade? Are they going to take a quarterback? What's going to happen? We'll give you our intake there. And then finally, we will round out our draft coverage with our corner and safety rankings. So, great show. We'll start with Jadavion Clowney, former first overall pick. He heads to Cleveland on a one-year up to $10 million deal. Chase, you and I talked about how we think Jadavion Clowney, he's got the skill set. We hope he gets another chance somewhere. He gets that with Cleveland. I'm not super pumped about it, being in Cleveland's division.
2: But what are your thoughts? I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. So, obviously, you got Miles Garrett there. He's going to demand the number one attention, the number one offensive lineman on the other team. And you got Jadavion Clowney who can kind of, you know, work in the – Uh, Not the secondary is the right word, but he he can kind of be the second piece there. You know, kind of what they were hoping for in Houston, but with him and J.J. Watt didn't really work out. But he's going into a new scheme, a new coach, and a a defense that I think is kind of more suited for him than what we got with the Titans. So I think he's got a real opportunity to have some success here. I I hope I see him break out. I mean, I'm not a fan of any team in this division, so if he does great, good for him. I won't won't
1: impact me anyway.
2: Whatever. (laughs) Alec, your thoughts on this
0: one?
1: Um, I think, honestly, it's the perfect scenario for him. Um, I think that the scheme that they run is going to be great because I already think that Cleveland has a top, I'd say top eight defense in the NFL. And like That's Chase right. said, they're going to be, like most most of the offensive linemen, they're going to be double teaming Miles Garrett, meaning that Brown going to be facing a lot of uh, uh, single coverage on him and stuff. So I think he'll have a solid year.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and two first overall selections on both edges. That's going to be pretty powerful, and then adding to the secondary like they did during free agency as well, that defense should be primed for a really big year, and the Browns, I, I don't see how they don't end up in the playoffs, don't see how they couldn't make a good push in the playoffs obviously I'm not a big Baker guy and it seems like a lot of betting sites out there aren't huge Baker guys either because I know Fox Sports bet they only have the Browns at nine and a half wins with this addition with Clowney you would think that'd be more right yeah
2: it feels a little low to me honestly
1: I thought it was low before Clowney, but I feel like you can't just completely like give him a whole other win just because you sign a guy like Clowney who hasn't really been an exclamation mark on any defense pretty much in his entire career. But overall, I, I still do think it's low. Yes, very true. Well, let's talk about the fourth
0: overall selection now, guys. We've got our mock draft coming up next week, the 100th episode special. Uh, it's going to be very fun None of us own Atlanta's number four overall pick, so we can freely talk about it. Um, We might be giving Chris ideas. Not sure if he's going to be able to have time to listen to this before we do the mock draft this weekend. But if you guys are the Falcons, what are you doing with that pick? Are you looking to trade it? Are you trying to get a quarterback? Are you trying to get one of the premier players at the top of the class that aren't a quarterback? What are
2: your thoughts? If you can trade down from anywhere from pick like thirteen to nineteen, that's kind of the, kind of the range I'll go with. Um, then you you do that because you're gonna get a tremendous haul back. You know, you just look at it, you see what the third overall pick got and jump it up from twelve, and there's gonna be a good quarterback there at four regardless. So you you can get a really good haul at that spot, and you, you gotta take it. The Falcons they still want to try to win with Matt Ryan as their QB, and I get that because they still got some in the tank. So if you draft a guy like Fields, you know you might had to sit two, three years, and uh, it's kind of wasted, honestly, on a pick that high. So trade down, get everything that you can. You can add a couple pieces that can help you now and later.
1: My my thing with this is is if the 49ers did not trade up to three, I could see them without a doubt going a quarterback there, but now I think the best move for them is to trade down. Matt Ryan, yes, he's getting old, but he definitely still has stuff left in the tank like he's been – Throwing for four thousand yards consistently as long as I can remember. Still have a great wide receiver room. I really think that they need to focus on defense because that was obviously their biggest struggle last year. Um, so I think it'd be silly for them to draft a quarterback this year personally. And um, I do think trading down would be a smart move for them. I don't know about if trading all the way back into like the high teens, like Chase said. I think maybe they could trade maybe a little bit higher. I don't know. Um, But I I think the drafting quarterback would just be silly, like I said.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be fun to see them draft a quarterback, but I think realistically, the smart thing would be to trade back. Uh, The question is, will they? I'm hearing a lot of stuff that Atlanta's been open to moving the pick, but they're asking way too much. So uh, will that happen? Who knows? I think it would be great to see a New England or a Washington jump up to that number four pick and get their quarterback of the future. Could you imagine if New England gets up to that number four spot and finds their future franchise in what would be Trey Lance, Mac Jones, or Justin Fields?
2: Yeah, I mean, that worked out very well for them and Bill Belchuk, of course. And it really depends on what happens with those picks one through three. You know, we kind of have a feeling what's going to happen at one and two, three's a little more in the air. So say let's go, you know Lawrence one and then Wilson two and three. I my personal feeling is that they're going to draft Trey Lance. Uh, they very well could draft one of the other guys though. If Mac Jones is the one that they take for whatever stupid reason, I think Atlanta is going to get fifteen phone calls at that point for teams trying to trade up to get Justin Fields and or Trey Lance because like well, why why the hell not at that point right? Absolutely, and I I'm. I'm interested because if they do
0: go Mac Jones, I mean, I feel like they're already getting trade calls. Um, so I, I guess if they do go Mac Jones, a team would have to love one or the other because um, you could get either or as of right now. So um, we'll have to see. Alec, what were your thoughts on that?
1: Um I I'm personally starting to get on the boat that I think the 49ers are going to be taking Justin Fields and that's not me trying to knock Trey Lance. It's just based off of a few things that I've seen. And I do think that Trey Lance is the perfect fit to go to Atlanta. So if Trey Lance is still available. there. For I thought change a little bit. I do think maybe they should go quarterback, but I, I still think like defense overall over that, but I definitely am excited to see what happens.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's going to be really exciting. And Justin Fields threw again at Ohio State's second Pro Day today. And Kyle Shanahan, he was there. So possibly looking at taking Fields with that number three overall pick, we will see. But boys, we will now move on to our corner rankings. This is a corner class that I actually like quite a bit. Um, there's some guys with high upside. There's some guys who are very technically sound already. Um, let's, let's run through our list. Alec, I'll have you go first. Go ahead, one through six. Then Chase, you'll go one through six. After that, I'll follow up, and then we can get talking about the guys.
1: All righty. At number one, I have Caleb Farley. Number two, Asante Samuel. Three, Patrick Sertain. Four, JC Horn. Five, FB2, And six, Eric Stokes. Wow. Uh,
2: number one, I have Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. Number two, Patrick Sertain, the second out of Alabama. Number three, J.C. Horn, out of South Carolina. Number four, Asante Samuel, out of Florida State. Number five, Paulson—I Ad- don't know if it's a or a debo, to be honest. So Paulson a Debo out of Stanford. And number six, Yafei and out of Syracuse.
0: All righty, and then I've got Patrick Sertain, number one. J.C. Horn, number two. Caleb Farley, number three. Asante Samuel. Number four, Greg Newsome out of Northwestern, a new name there at my number five spot. And then he fade to out of Syracuse. Once again, it seems like we're quite high on him in comparison to a lot of other, um, I guess you could say experts out there. Uh, so we'll talk about him a little bit later. But let's start with Caleb Farley. He's both of your guys. Number one. He's my number three. Let me know why you love him so
2: much. Why is your number one? All right. So Caleb Farley is kind of my guy on defense. Uh, he's like probably truly my highest ceiling kind of defensive player in this draft. Um, yeah, He's just fantastic really at everything he does. He's a tremendous athlete. He's only played in the corner position for two years. And I mean, he just made plays from the first snap that he played corner all the way up until uh, he played his final snap in college. He does everything that you want out of a corner. He has great size. He, you know, he can play on the outside. He's not bad at all in the run game either. I mean, he doesn't really have a hole in his game and he's still just learning the position. He can continue to grow significantly. Uh, you know, he has injury concerns. He's probably going to fall later than he should. I think that it's very well possible that certain and horn easily both go before him. Maybe even Asante Samuel just because of the injury concern, but if he can stay healthy, I mean, he's going to clearly be the best guy in this draft class.
1: I'm definitely another person who's super high on Caleb Farley. Like chase is, we've kind of had a few conversations about that. Even, um, I agree with everything he said. Um, I also think that Caleb Farley is the best man coverage corner in this draft. Um, by a decent margin as well. I do. I did personally find one hole in his game that I think he could improve on, but it's still not like a gaping hole. Sometimes he misses tackles, um, which is not uncommon for a lot of corners coming into the NFL. Um, like you look at, uh, like one, one person that comes to mind is Greedy Williams. He fell quite far because his tackling ability was atrocious. I'm not saying Caleb Barley is as bad at tackling as Greedy Williams was, I think he is good enough, but that is still one area I do think he could improve. But like I said, best man man coverage corner in this draft, without a doubt.
0: I do like Caleb Farley. However, he is my number three because of the technical abilities. I think Patrick Sertain and JC Horn are above Caleb Farley right now in those technical abilities. And I would assume it's because Caleb Farley just started playing this position Two years ago, like Chase said, Uh, the one thing I do really like about him is his change of direction and the ability to slow down, make the cuts, speed up uh, a lot of good athleticism that we see from him, which I would assume, again, comes from his wide receiver days. So Caleb Farley, a very talented young kid, Uh, I think if he goes to the right system, he could be a star and be one of the highest producing corners out of this draft class. However, if he goes to the wrong situation, I think that there's a possibility where he stays as a corner two his whole career. I don't think he'll be a bust. I think he's already too high to be a bust. Um, But I think there is a chance where he isn't worth a first over or a first round pick, I should say. But more, you know, he's, he's a solid number two corner. So I like him very high upside. The other two that I have in front of him. Just much
2: more technical right now. My my only like like thing kind of with that the only thing that's gonna hold Caleb Farley back is injuries. So if this back injury proves to be something major, because a back injury is a kind of critical thing, especially for a corner. Uh, so you know if that proves to be an issue, then he's gonna have struggles. But if he's healthy, then then he, he's good to go. Injuries will be the only thing that holds him back because he's just does he does everything well for being so brand new to position. I know you're you know like certain in comparison is is very technical. And that's something that I'll talk about a little more too. But it just, you can see just the true untapped potential of Caleb Farley plus the already production that he's already had. And I go, why would you not want this?
0: You see, that's where I, that's where I disagree though, because uh, you said the only thing that can hold him back is uh, injuries. If he goes to a system where, like, if he went to the Bengals, I doubt that because of how terrible our defensive coordinator is, Lou Rumo. If he goes to a system where they don't prioritize him and developing him, if they have a coach there that is more keen to veteran players than they are developing players, which that's the case a lot of the times in the NFL. You, you got teachers in the NFL, but you also have Coaches that don't really want to do the teaching, they'd rather do the game plan. So uh, I, I think it depends on where he goes. Because if he goes to Cincinnati, I think there's a good chance that he doesn't reach that cornerback one potential. That's my thoughts. We'll move on to Patrick Sertain. He's my number one. He is Chase's number two, and he is Alex number three. The kid out of Alabama. What I love about him, he's so technical. He's versatile. He can play man. He can play zone. He's good on press. Uh, He's learned everything from his father, who's a legend. There's not much to not like about this guy.
2: Yeah, the the great thing about Patrick Sertain is you're guaranteed to at the absolute worst. You're getting a number two corner for your team. That's the absolute worst if he doesn't grow very much or if he doesn't grow at all. If the ceiling is a clear number one corner, one of the better guys in the league, you know, in the same realm like Caleb Farley's ceiling currently could be, too. Uh, it just Sertain is truly, you know, the safe prospect. Where Farley is the wild, kind of the wild card, just because of the injury and because of the limited production at the position. Because he's only done it for two years, but I, I would seriously be shocked if Sertain doesn't have a double digit NFL career, being a starter pretty much the whole time.
1: Well, I do have him ranked third. I also want to say that, like Mike said earlier, I absolutely love this corner class. This isn't a knock on him. I think he's going to be a Pro Bowl level corner in the NFL. I do have one knock on his game, though, is he does not, he kind of lacks the downfield speed in some scenarios. I saw that there were some, some of those speedy receivers that he kind of struggled to keep up with, where they could get like one or two steps on him, and he'd kind of like need bailing out from the safety up top uh, occasionally, but when it comes to, like, like you said, technical, uh, like being a technical corner, uh, he's the most te- technical corner in this draft. He. I, I genuinely do think that he could be an elite corner but I think that he is more suited to play the short side of the field as opposed to uh like the long side um but overall great prospect I first round pick uh, and like I said I think he has pro potential yeah I like
0: Patrick certain. A lot, and I hear the concern with his speed. Uh, he ran a four-four-two at his pro day. However, a lot of people think that's more close to a uh, high four-fours versus low four-fives because pro days you never really know. It's it's hand time, not laser timed. So who really knows what his true forty is? So I get that. The one thing I do absolutely love. 2020 he wasn't flagged at all on coverage so to have a polished corner that can defend the pass and not get flagged that's brilliant so absolutely love that uh chase we'll talk about jc horn next he's your number three he is my number two and he's alec is he on your list
1: yes he's number four
0: number four all right perfect yeah so jc horn um this is this is my my guy. Like Chase talked about how Caleb Farley is is his guy. J.C. Horn is mine. Uh, this dude is awesome. He's just. Like he's so physical. He loves to just smoke people. He's uh, aggressive in practices and everything, and and you don't really get to see his practices very often. Um, however, I watched a little film on him, and uh, the defensive back coach for him was saying the one thing that I love the most about him is he practices every single rep like it's game time he doesn't want to lose one thing and you can see it in his game film he's arguably and i i've seen people discuss this arguably the best corner in the sec obviously i go certain because he's my number one but jc horn incredible skill i think he's more technically sound than Caleb Farley. Uh, I don't think his ceiling is as high. However, I do see him as a productive corner one. And I just, I love the mentality that he brings to the game.
2: You know, the beauty of this corner class is honestly, all six of my guys that I mentioned, I think can become cornerback ones, but I think my top four, yeah, I think my top four are very safe to become the number ones too. So JC Horn is an athletic freak, as I kind of mentioned real quick before I threw it back over to Mike. The only thing that I saw in his game that concerned me is, you know, tackling issues. I saw him a little more than I saw him at other other corners too. You know, sometimes he can just kind of be evaded. He's not. He's not necessarily in the right spot all the time. So if you kind of help, you know, just work on the positioning. You know, he sounds like an intense dude who's willing to work. So he sounds like he's willing to learn. So just help improve on positioning a little bit and the tackling technique, and he'll be just fine and he'll become a star.
1: I agree with pretty much everything Chase said and Mike. Honestly, um, I think that he. Is amazing at contesting catches, like when it's just when it's single coverage, him against the receiver. Uh, like you hear a lot of times, like for example, like someone like Kenny Galladay, I read something where he makes 50 50 balls, 60 40. I think JC Horn does that in the other direction. He is more often than not going to disrupt that pass, knock the ball down, prevent the receiver from catching it or uh, being in a good position to catch it. Uh, but I also have similar uh, worries, like Chase um had with his tackling ability i do like that sometimes he will you know kind of drop the hammer get that big hit but sometimes i think he overcommits to trying to get that big hit and will occasionally miss the tackle or uh just you know kind of get juked out or just like Chase said evaded um but great coverage guy for sure
0: that's very interesting because when watching film, I was more concerned about Farley's tackling than I was J.C. Horn's tackling. So, See, uh, I, agree I agree
1: with that. But okay. uh, I agree with that. Um, but I, I, like I said earlier, I do think Caleb Farley is still the best man corner, and that's kind of why I have him ranked so high. Like literally, my, my top four, honestly, they're all like super, super, super close. There's no none that like extremely stands out over another person.
0: Gotcha. Makes sense. Well, um, oh, also I don't remember if I said it earlier with Caleb Farley, uh, whenever I watched him, like just the way he plays and he moves kind of funky. Like, I don't know if you guys saw that, like not saying that in a bad way, but like just in comparison to the other guys, it looked a bit, little little funky to me. And I don't really know how to describe it other than that. Um, he obviously makes it work because he's a very good corner and I have him at my number three. But did you guys see that at all? Or did you guys think that his movements looked basically the same as the other guys you watched?
1: I personally think he still plays corner like a receiver sometimes. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because you know that he – uh, like has been on the other side of the ball and knows like can anticipate those routes. I do admit that he de- he definitely does look a little abnormal, especially compared to a lot of these other guys. Um, but he makes it work and he, no matter how he moves, no matter what he does, I still think he's elite, an elite level. corner.
2: Yeah, 100% agreed. You know, I'm going to compare it to a hockey player, a hockey prospect. Someone who still hasn't seen NHL time, but he will see it uh, coming up pretty soon. So Bobby Brink coming into the NHL, this guy was a first round pick for me based on pure talent, but he was an ugly skater. Like he skated, you know, his, like in terms of his like speed and acceleration, everything was the same as every, like every as every average player. No no issue at all, but it just looked really weird. Like it, it just it was kind of ugly to look at. Kind of like Cam Newton throwing the ball, it's just really ugly to look at. You just don't enjoy watching it. But he's already quickly become you know one of the better prospects outside of the NHL, and he's become dominant. And, you know, Cam Newton went went on to win MVP and had, you know, a great, tremendous season, even though he threw the ball so funky. So even if there is some movement issues, it's nothing to be concerned about.
0: Absolutely. Well, guys, let's move on to our next guy. This will be Asante Samuel out of Florida State. Alex, number two, Chase and mine, number four. Alec, what do you love about him? All
1: right. Well, first, I'm going to start by saying I actually had him ranked fourth originally Um, But then Mike made a comment about him in our group chat, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go watch a little bit more film, and that is what boosted him to number two. Well, he is a little shorter. I think he's like 5'10", 185, so he's kind of a smaller guy, but he has absolutely outstanding coverage ability. I personally in film rarely saw receivers getting much, if any, separation from him. And you'd think a guy that small compared to some of these other guys would not be a great tackler. That is just not the case with Asante Samuel. He tackles and hits like he is 3 inches taller and 20 pounds heavier. The one issue is, is while he is great at staying with a receiver and not letting them get separation, sometimes he can't play the ball. He's not going to get those picks. And he will disrupt, but he's not going to get those like necessarily pass deflections. He can prevent a receiver from catching the ball just with pure coverage alone. Um, he... Like I said, he not like he's not going to get those picks. And also, I in the film I watched, I don't think I saw him play zone coverage once. And that's a big thing in the NFL. Um, so if he is at least okay at playing zone coverage at the next level, I think he could even he could have an even higher ceiling than me ranking him at two. He could even be, end up being the best. But that's just a really big question mark, obviously. But just amazing tackler for the, his size right, and. Amazing coverage skills. I I loved watching this film. Chase,
2: Alex just took my main point right from me. Uh, with my one knock on him about the zone coverage. So first, I you know I'll start with kind of kind of right off what he said with his size. You know, it's it's a smaller corner, and sometimes you see smaller corners struggle on the outside, but it won't be the case. I mean, he he just he knows the game too well, and he's too smart to have any struggles. And yeah, he's not a big you know like ball hawk type guy, but what he is, he's a weapon eliminator. He's going to you know he can go against a number one receiver in the NFL and he'll just fight out eliminate him. Kind of like, you know, slay his last, you know, like two years in Detroit. Like, not his final season, but the one before. So, I guess the second to last season is how I should word that. Um, he was one of the least targeted, you know, corners in the league because he just always shut down whoever the receiver was. It didn't matter. And I think that's not the same. We can offer the same type of thing. You know, when it comes to the zone coverage, I didn't see very much either. So, I kind of read into this to, to figure out why this is the case. Uh, apparently, Florida State, they just run pretty much zero zone. They, they'll do it here and there, but it's extremely rare. You know, he has... M- like low double digits, total zone snaps in college. Based on what I saw, I'm not too worried about it. I think he'll be all right. You know, he just seems like too smart of a dude and too much of a, a, like a weapon eliminator that he would have those struggles. So it's just really about refining his skills and overcoming that size, which I think he does already anyway. Yeah. And Alec mentioned
0: that I texted the group chat and said something about him. Well, uh, it was along the lines of, if you don't have Asante Samuel in your top six, I'm going to take you to school. You can call me Mr. Bus Driver because I will take you to school because I love this kid. Uh, he's a bulldog. Like he, He's a dude that is just aggressive as all hell, even though he doesn't have the biggest frame. Uh, sitting. I think he's around 5'10", 180-ish. Um, so he's not huge, but he can really do it all. And I see a lot of people saying, oh, he's just a slot corner. Uh, I don't think he's just a slot corner, but if he is a slot corner at the next level— he could be the best damn slot corner out there. Like this dude is awesome, and the slot it continues to get better. So if if you're worried, oh, I don't want to take a slot corner in the top two rounds. That's not. Look at all the slot wide receivers out there: Tyler Boyd, Chris Godwin. There's a lot, a lot of guys out there that are just awesome, and hell, even look at this. Let's look at our top four wide receivers. Jerry, or not Jerry Judy, excuse me, Jamar Chase. Could you see him playing in the slot at all? Sure, I could see him playing in the slot. I think that he's more of a perimeter, but could he line up there? Absolutely. Jalen Waddle? Yeah, I think he could play in the slot. Devontae Smith? Yeah, for sure. Rashad Bateman? Yeah. There's a lot of guys here that don't have the prototypical size of, you know, a 6'4", 230 speed demon like Megatron, that are really good players and could see a lot of time in the slot. So I think if you bring in Asante Samuel, he can eliminate that slot wide receiver. And I I just love the mentality. I always talk about mentality. That's a huge thing for me and when I grade prospects. Um, and who doesn't love a guy who's 5'10"? That can lay the absolute boomstick. So love Asante Samuel. Can't say enough about him. 100%. Agreed. Alrighty, let's move on to. Uh, ooh, I, I guess we'll go with Ifeitu Melinfonmu. Alec, you have him as your number five, right? Yes. And then Chase and I both have him as our number six. And then we've got three guys that we don't have in common. So we'll start with Ifeitu Melinfonmu out of Syracuse, younger brother of Obi Melinfonmu. What do you guys like about him? Is it his just. Ungodly frame and natural gifted ability of speed and strength and everything.
1: I don't know <laughs> what it is about this family. They are just athletic freaks. Like you Greek look gods, at some dude. of them, got some of them. Like you look at him and uh, Obi, it's just it's nuts. So it's not obviously it's not just about his physical traits because Obi Melanfonu hasn't been much in the NFL. But I think that B2, however you say it, I think he is going to be even better than, like, substantially better than OB. I love him, like, especially on the line. He plays with such quickness, but still, like, with that great size. He's so fluid. I love watching his movements. It's just so quick. Also, an amazing tackler, amazing zone corner. He's good enough in man coverage, definitely more of a zone type of guy. Kind of big knock I have on him is he is not good at anticipating routes. I saw him, I did see him kind of consistently losing uh, the receiver on double moves and he'd get beat, so they get a couple steps on him. But uh, other than that, it's hard to find a hole in his game, which, I mean, yeah, that is a pretty big hole. But if he can kind of learn more of the, that, like, NFL route tree, like, understand what a receiver's going to do. Uh, I think he could definitely be a number one corner eventually. I do think that he is more of a project piece than a lot of these other guys, but I definitely think he has the tools to do it.
2: Yeah, so Ifeitu should not be compared to his brother, honestly. Uh, Sure, you know, you can compare him in terms of athleticism, but they're kind of different players. So, like, Obi, you know, he's a little bigger dude uh, and was probably maybe even a little more athletic than Ifeitu, but he just never had, like, all the tools. He offered scheme versatility, but he didn't offer elite level at any of the positions. He was just... You know, he kind of just had some profiling of just being another guy at corner or another guy at safety. And it's kind of what he's become. Whereas if A2, you know, you could play him at safety and I think he could be really good, but I truly think he's best at the corner position. You know, he has those those great athletic tools, as I mentioned. And he seems like he just has the, you know, overall the right abilities. You know, he's a good tackler. He finds himself in position, you know, like fairly well. It's obviously, it definitely could be improved on. um, But like he just does it a lot better than Obi did. And I'm really not too concerned about it. You know, corners, they kind of take time in the NFL anyway. So if you're going to bank on a dude, you might as well bank on a guy like this in the second, third round.
0: Yeah, and I agree with what you guys are saying, how sometimes he doesn't engulf the wide receiver that he's covering. And I think that's just because of his speed and his size. He can let a guy get past him two, three, four, even five yards and he's going to catch up to him because he's got that long speed. Um, the one thing that I'm a little bit concerned with Mellon Fonmu is he doesn't love physicality. He doesn't embrace physicality. He's not going to be a guy on the line smoking that wide receiver right off the jump and trying to play super hard press. He's not a guy that is super physical and uh if he was i think he might be my number one but because he's not he's my number six he's more of a smooth hip really good speed uh guy that i think needs a little bit more help in the technical abilities however if he can get that he could be a ball hawk corner not a physical corner but if you're a ball hawk corner It can't be bad. So a guy that I really like, I loved Obi. Uh, Obviously, he didn't really pan out. So I'm hoping Ifeitu does. And the difference between Ifeitu and Obi, like Chase said, um, Ifeitu actually has the tape that shows he is an NFL player, where Obi, his tape really didn't. Come with NFL player potential, it was really his combine that lit him up. But we'll move on now, Chase. We'll talk about your guy first. You had a Debo or uh, a Debo, right? Uh, near uh, number five,
2: yes, sir. Paulson, a Debo out of Stanford. So, he- here's the thing of the Debo uh, he's probably gonna end up a day three pick or a very late day two pick, but I probably lean towards day three. But I would take him as early as the second round, to be honest, watching him play. I mean, he's got great size for the corner position at 6'1 to 190. You know, that's like what you want to see out of a prototypical corner. He had eight interceptions over two seasons. Uh, he's a very instinctual corner. He, you know, he just is always in the right positions. He's he's on his man. He you know, he's good in man coverage. He's good in zone coverage. Uh, it's really just about furthering his development of the skills because you still, you know, you see some breakdowns. You see some holes here and there. You know, he's not some just elite level prospect, but he's just he's ready to burst out the seam. And you find the right team that just helps him, you know, give him that little push. And he is going to shoot out. And he's going to be dominant. I have every belief in this kid that he can become a dominant corner in the league. Um, I really just hope he ends up in the right spot.
0: Very interesting. Alec, your thoughts on the Adebo? Um,
1: I definitely, I like him. He's one of my two honorable mentions. And the funny thing is, my other honorable, honorable mention happens to be Mike's fifth rank. Um, but... The big reason why I did not have him ranked higher is because of one specific game. It was obviously he didn't play last season, the season before. I don't know who the receiver was, but there was a receiver on Central Florida where he was just getting absolutely demolished. Like he could not cover this guy, and it's I. I the, the funny thing is, I looked up the guy's name. He's such a nobody. I have I don't remember it. I don't know who it was. So the, just the fact that. Some random nobody guy on Central Florida absolutely took this kid to school, made me kind of down on him a little bit. Um, he like he is definitely more, I think he's kind of like a ball hawk. Um, I actually have in my notes that he, I think it was his redshirt freshman year, he led the nation uh, in past breakups. I don't know what the exact number is, but I know he led the nation. So that's good to see. Uh, but yeah, just that one atrocious game against a nobody receiver was just, just dropped him down the board for me.
0: Okay. And uh, a Debo, I think that he is awesome in zone coverage. I think he's got awesome. Um, Ball playability to be able to locate the ball, intercept the ball. Um, and I think that could even translate to a good free safety. So uh, I do like him. I think that he could play multiple positions. If he doesn't find uh, his home in a zone coverage defense that will utilize him as a zone coverage corner, then maybe if he isn't a man coverage defense, he can play that free safety role. But I think he's good. Uh, I don't think he's as good as some of the others that I have on my list. That's why he's not not
2: here see like that, that that's fair you know I'm I'm kind of a, alone in this take you know I, I've seen other people that have him ranked a little bit higher than consensus but you know not, not too many he's someone I'm really hoping that the Lions takes I, I think that kind of you know what, what's been preached and what they're gonna be doing coming up I think he could have a chance to you know find some great success here and you know be just a great one-two combination with Okuda so you know hopefully wherever he goes whether it be the Lions or not he just gets that opportunity because if he gets it I think he can run away with it Absolutely. Well, before we get to Eric Stokes, Alex, number six, let's hit up my number
0: five, and this is Greg Newsome out of Northwestern. Uh, The reason I love Newsome is he makes the game look super easy. Uh, he's not a big physical guy. He's kind of like Efe Tuiloma, where he doesn't really have that physicality. He's more of a co- uh, a coverage corner. He's gonna look to bat the ball away to intercept the ball. He's not gonna be the best tackler, and that's why he's at my number five. He's not uh, higher up because he does lack some of that physicality, some of that tackling ability. However, his speed the way he can flip his hips, the the smoothness of his game. I absolutely love it. I think he could be a C.J. Henderson-esque player once he enters the league, if you know really anything at all uh, about C.J. Henderson. He came in as the number two corner last year, and he kind of – Proved that he was the number one guy over Jeff Okuda at that current point because he was just better in uh, coverage. Where Okuda, he kind of struggled there, even though he's got some more natural ability, ability in the tackling and all of that. So Greg Newsom, just a really good coverage corner that makes everything look super smooth, and he's got the speed. So that's why I love him so much.
2: So. I hate counting on injuries in the NFL, like in, in prospects, but sometimes you just got to do it. And Greg Newsom was, you know, he's that case. He's never played a full season in college. He, he's a dude that keeps getting hurt. So it's a little worrisome. It, it kind of, you know, knocked him down for me a little bit in terms of draft grade. You know, he's a late second, early third round type guy for me. Uh, he's worth taking a shot on. So if you can stay healthy, I think, yeah, he can have a good impact. But regardless, even if he does stay healthy, I think my guys above him, he's my number one. I mention, by the way, but the six guys above him, I think are just guaranteed. Like don't say guaranteed, but like, Show to have better ceilings than him.
1: Okay, Alex? I agree to an extent with what Chase is saying. Uh, other than the fact that he doesn't necessarily have as high of a ceiling as some of these other guys, Newsom was originally ranked my six. Um, but the more tape I started watching, I don't see that speed that you're saying. I think like he had a solid forty time, but I think he plays slow sometimes. Sometimes, like all right, off the line he's quick at the hips. Uh, he's fluid there. But, like, downfield speed, I don't know. Like, it looks like, it looks like he's sometimes uh, – I don't know how I'm trying to, like, word this. Like, because he does look like it's easy, but sometimes it looks like he is in an absolute full sprint and still not keeping up with, with some guys sometimes. And when it comes to coverage, I think he's great. I love him. But I, I think he does play a little bit slower than you were saying. Maybe that's – I'm just seeing a little bit different and also, you know, injury concerns. If he didn't have those injury concerns, I think I'd have him definitely rank six or even five. But I don't know. Like just like I said speed is kind of a question mark for me
0: yeah and with those injury concerns I wish we could have seen a little bit more out of him because obviously he was having a great game against Ohio State however he wasn't able to finish the game against Ohio State this past season um, I didn't see the speed uh, factor uh, I, I can watch some more and let you know um, but I will say if you're going to the next level and you're a good corner um, if you're gonna be paired up against a guy like a Tyree kill who's got insane speed, there's always going to be a safety over the top to help you there because no team is dumb enough to not double-team a guy who's got immense amount of speed like Tyreek Hill. But uh, let's move on here to Eric Stokes. Um, Eric Stokes out of Georgia. Alec, he's your number six. Why is that?
1: He is my number six because I loved watching his film. I love kind of a gritty-style corner, and he's always like he's one of those kind of Kind of guy who's gonna like kind of get a little bit handsy with a receiver going down the field, and I love that because I think it definitely it disrupts route running a little bit, and I I, I definitely enjoy that. Um, he has solid size, I like it. Um, and one thing that I think people are a little bit down on him is he's a little bit slow off the line, and I definitely did see that. But I think if even if he loses that half a step, I think he makes up for it with that. Like I said, like being a little bit handsy, and in the NFL, I think like that's going to be more of a problem than it was in college because obviously they're not as lenient on letting the players play. Sometimes they're going to be, um, you know, calling that flag uh, if you're kind of like uh, this is going to be a weird way to put it, but playing patty cake like ten yards down the field, you know. Um, but I I like that he plays aggressive and he's always getting in the receiver's face. Uh, so that's pretty much why I have him up there. So he he's a
2: guy that if you're if you want to if you really like him you can take a chance on him like third round but I would wait till day three honestly personally Uh, he's he's fine to me Uh, the NFL it's becoming a lot more of a zone defense thing and that could really be in his favor because I think he's kind of not necessarily useless in man but like zone coverage is where he's gonna make his money he's not gonna really do very much in man coverage for you. Uh, it, it's just, it's kind of ugly watching, honestly, for me. I I didn't see enough in him to you know warrant putting him here. He's not even an honorable mention for me. Uh, but he's a guy that is I guess worth taking a shot on. Maybe you can work out the man stuff, and then he can be useful in zone for you.
1: I definitely do think he kind of profiles as more of a nickel corner, but I think that he could eventually become better. But if he is a nickel corner, he's going to be a top tier nickel corner. Like he's going to come out and do exactly what you want out of a nickel corner. And I know it's weird having a guy who. I'm saying it's probably going to profile as a nickel corner in my top six, but I don't know. I just, I loved watching his tape and I love, I love aggressiveness.
0: Yeah, and Stokes, he's really fast, which is awesome. Uh, So if he is able to uh, learn a little bit more of the technical abilities, then who knows, he could be an awesome corner. But personally, I think his counterpart and Tyson Campbell is a little bit better than him. I think the aggressiveness can lead to over-aggressiveness where he gets flags. He gets flagged, and um, you never want to see that. And then I also think that he struggles a little bit in the um, run game. I I don't think he's necessarily the greatest tackler against the running back. All right, well, let's move on to safeties here. Alec can go first, then Chase.
1: All righty. Number one, I have Javon Holland. Number two, Hamza, I'm going to butcher this, Nasir. Osma. uh, um, Or Osma, my bad. Osma Nazirildine, I'm going to go with that. Number three, Ardarius Washington. Number four, Jacoby Stevens. And number five, Trayvon Merig. I
2: mean, I want to say good for you, Alec, but like I don't want to applaud that list. Um, <laughs> n- n- number one, Trayvon Merig out of TCU. Number two, Javon Holland out of Oregon. Number three, Hasman Necerlady, and I think I, I can't say it either, out of Florida State. Number four, Richie Grant out of UCF, and number five, Jacoby Stevens out of LSU. All
0: right, and then I go Trayvon Merrick out of TCU, Jamar Johnson out of Indiana, Richie Grant out of UCF, Andre Cisco out of Syracuse, and Tyree Galebsi out of Missouri. I will say, real quick before we start, Javon Holland, he would be on my list, as well as Elijah Molden out of Washington, They would both be on my list. However, I don't really know where they profile at the next level. Those two kind of being up in the air on where they pan out in the NFL, what position. I don't have them on either list. However, if they were on my safety list, Molden would sit number three. Javon Holland would sit number five. Whereas if they're on my corner list, um, Molden would sit four and Javon Holland would sit six, so hopefully that made sense. But again, I'm not going to be having them on my list because of that reason. Where do they project? But let's start here. Um, boy, oh boy, uh, some different lists here. Let's start with Trayvon Merrick because he is my number one. Chase is number one. Alex number five. Um, Chase, do you want to hear Alex take first, or do you want to just go?
2: I mean, I, I, I want, I want to just go. I'd want to hear it first normally, but like. I just, I can't, I can't see this happening. So I I just want to start off just talking about why, first of all, I mean, Trayvon Merrick is, I think clearly the most ready safety in this draft class. And it's kind of by a mile, uh, he's going to be able to come in and, and, you know, like play legitimate snaps for you and not have any issue. He's still got to work on his, you know, his whole run game and working on refining the rest of his tools. But I mean, no, I I think he's great in coverage. You know, he is a ball hawk at the safety position and it's fun to see. So as he continues, you know, that, that run game, our developing that he's, just going to become a much better player. Uh, I wouldn't take him in the first round. None of these safeties are first round guys for me. Uh, But I I do think Trayvon Merrick is like the one dude who's truly ready.
0: Yeah, I agree. Trayvon Merrick is my number one. I think he is worth a first round pick. I think he's incredibly versatile. I think that he can support the run. He can also cover. I think he really does it all. Um, I don't think any of the guys in this draft class could be true free safeties like Jesse Bates. Uh, however, Trayvon Merrig, he still has very good coverage ability.
1: My thing is I had him ranked one. I always do an initial list just based on reading, but then when I watch film, I adjust it. I do have to admit that I think he is he is the most pro ready, but because this safety class is so meh, I went with um I think I went with ceiling for my rankings as opposed to straight up pro ready. I personally do not I with the film I watched, I do not think that he is going to be much of any if any support in the run. He may disrupt the running back a little bit, but he he's 6'2", 210, and can can't tackle someone who's like three inches shorter than him. And I do have to admit he has great coverage skills for a safety, but I think that profiles him more in like a nickel corner type. Because he's not I don't see him being that like Safety that's going to assist in the run. I think he's he's going to be a lot of help over top with a lot of these, like 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 say a slower corner He'll, like help out that way. Um, and he does he sees the field well. Uh, can has decent player recognition, but I don't see the tackling. I don't see the ability to help disrupt the run game. Like, Interesting.
0: All right. Well, let's move on to our second guy. And our second guy will be Javon Holland out of Oregon. I talked about why he's not on my list, but Alec, why do you have him as your number one and then chase your number two?
1: I have him at number one because I think that he is one of the most high IQ or not one of, I think he is the most high IQ safety in this draft. I watch him play and he, he sees the field so well. He always knows where the ball is, no matter what. Now, his coverage ability is not as good as Morig or however you say his last name. I think I'm saying it different than you guys, um, but it's it's still decent enough. He can be that help over top, but he's always he's consistently disrupting the run up the middle and on the edges. He like I said, he always knows where the ball is. I was seeing like a uh, him playing against play action. He consistently knew if it was a pass or a run, he would not be fooled by any play action plays, and I just loved seeing that in him. I think. If he can improve his coverage skills a little bit against some of these bigger or more speedy guys, uh, he could definitely be a very so- solid starting safety for a team. Uh, but like I said, I'm going based on, like, I think, ceiling and upside if they can, like, work out the kinks. Uh, I, I loved watching his, uh, tape, honestly.
2: Yeah, so here's the thing for me, Javon Holland coming into the season, uh, you know, like prior, like I should say following last season, you know, he was my number one safety in in this like class and he was an easy first round pick for me, slam dunk, one of the better defensive players, in my opinion, Uh, sitting out, you know, it kind of hurt his case. I thought he was someone who I liked a lot of what he saw, but I still wanted more. So I thought he was going to be able you know, to come in. He was going to get tremendous playing time in Oregon, of course, and they're going to use him anywhere that they can because he's just got enough flexibility, enough talent to be used. So he's going to come in, He, you know, he's, he's going to get this play time, and he's really going to show these improvements that we wanted over the season or over the offseason, excuse me. But he didn't play, so we didn't get to see it. So it kind of hurt his grades. So he could only go off what we previously saw. And honestly, he's just, he looks like he's just lacking enough speed to, you know, come in and immediately be a just like true kind of like starting borderline dominant type safety. Uh, if he improved on his speed in the offseason, I think his upside is just tremendous, and he could easily be the best safety in this class. Uh, but if not, he's going to have to, you know, continue to refine his technical abilities. If he's going to be that same type of speed, he's just got to find different ways to, you know, kind of beat guys. And I think he can do that, which is why I have him at number two, but it's kind of disappointing because I really wanted him to be my top guy.
0: Yeah. And he is a guy that has good versatility, whether he's going to play slot or safety at that next position or at the next level. Um, he played safety, a majority of the time in his freshman year, played slot majority of the time in 2019. Uh, the reason he would be at number five for me, if I did include him in this list, which I, I didn't would be because he kind of doesn't, when it comes to athleticism, he doesn't have that super special trait. He doesn't have the super speed. He doesn't have the the strength, the punch-in-the-mouth physicality, and that kind of dropped him a little bit lower than other safeties that are on my list. But let's move on to our next guy. Um, I think it would be what, the kid out of Florida State?
1: Yeah. All
0: right, one of you guys can go. I don't have him on my list.
1: I have him here because I think he is the best tackler out of any safety that I watched hands down. He is the type of guy who's like he, like Mike likes to say, drop the boomstick. And he is the type of tackler that he's not going to give up that extra yard. And well, that does kind of profile more to linebacker. And honestly, I have in my notes that he kind of does profile as a linebacker um, because he's a great tackler, better in the run than in coverage. Because he did struggle a little bit. Um, I was reading that he struggled a bit in coverage at the Senior Bowl. Um, but he is also another like one of those guys like javon Holland that can diagnose a play really well sees the field really well and just great tackler he's also a little bit slow but um like i i, I am I've talked about it on previous podcasts of, like when we were talking about defensive guys I love a good tackler and just watching this guy wrap up hit those hit those running backs and stop them dead in their tracks I just love seeing that
2: yeah so. Here's what Hazma is to me. He is the poor man's Jeremiah Rusu Koromora, is already kind of a poor man's uh, Simmons. Or what the, what the hell's his name? Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah. Jeez, I don't know why I couldn't remember his first name. Um, but yeah, so he's this kind of guy, you know, he's got tremendous size. Uh, I have 6'3", 213. I think that was his um, senior bowl measurements. So he's a guy that you're going to want to use him as safety. You're going to want to use him as a Blinsey defensive back. You're going to even use him in linebacker packages sometimes. Um you got to be creative with him because if you're creative with him and you're willing to kind of, you know, work around his lack of just true, I think, number one ability at one specific position and just kind of using the right situational like positions, then he's going to be great. He's going to be fantastic. He's going to be a relatively cheap price for that kind of player. But the thing is, NFL defenses, they are not very creative. Uh, you know, we're, maybe we're starting to see it more and more. We got some younger guys coming in at the coaching positions, which kind of helps with that creativity. But, you know, we, we saw Isaiah Simmons, for example, just he was just useless most of the season in Arizona when he was a high draft pick, someone that should have been used all over the place, and he just really wasn't. So I kind of worry that's going to happen with Hasma too. But if a team is willing to use him, he, he could become a great skill set.
1: Personally, I I think that a amazing fit for him would be the Titans. I think throwing, throwing him in Mike Rabel's defense, moving him all around, I think that he could be a great, like, Pretty much every down player, even if it is going to be in different positions, I that so that's personally where I really hope he goes. If he does, I think that that's the best situation for his career. That's fair.
0: All right, and Hamza, I, I, or Has was it Hasma or Hamza? Hasma, because it's H A M. So it Hamza. Hamza.
2: Yeah. Oh, I literally I listened on, to geez. I literally listened to his pro day, and he was getting called Hasma on it. So that's why I just yeah. like, I was like, all right, all right. cool. Well, we'll call him Hasma then.
0: Um, (laughs) The reason he's not on my list is I talked about it before. If you are kind of in a tweener position, uh, linebacker, safety, not really sure what you are based on your size and stuff. If you're good enough, then play him wherever they damn well please because he's going to help you. This is another guy that's in a tweener position. However, I don't think that he is good enough to be played at a multiple variety of positions. I think he's best positioned as a safety. I think he's got the smarts. I don't think he's got the speed for it. Um, I, I hope that he pans out, but for me, I don't really see that ceiling. I don't see him being a number one safety. And with that being said, uh, I guess we can just move on, unless you guys want to say something about that.
1: Nope. I, I understand
0: all right, let's talk about Richie Grant next because I know he's on multiple lists. I don't know if he's on all three. Chase, I know you have him at where, four? Yep. And Alec, do you
1: have him at all? I do not. He is, but he is my personal.
0: Image. Okay, well, Chase, let's talk about him. He's my number three. He's your number four. Um, this is just a guy for me that when I was watching tape, he just constantly made plays. He was always around the ball and he would always get the job done, whether it was in the run game, in the pass game. I think he was better in coverage than he is in the run game, but just for some reason, his number was always standing out to me. He was always making plays.
2: Yeah. So, the buzzword of the safety group, in my opinion, honestly, is versatility. Uh, like, really, all these guys I have ranked are versatile guys that I think you could use in different positions, which is what kind of hurts their grades for me because I really want guys to be like true. Uh, you know, at one position in the NFL, unless they're just a ridiculous talent then you can use them in different spots, you know, that's perfectly fine. But for, you know, for the most part, there's not many guys that can do that. So having this kind of versatility, it really is a knock on you. And Richie Grant, you know, he, he's good in coverage and, you know, I see him make plays too, but I just, I don't know if he can just truly profile as like a true safety, because I think you're going to maybe need to use him in some cornerback positions too, uh, you know, which is fine. And and if you can use it the right way, he can be a productive player, but I just think it also kind of limits his ceiling.
1: I agree with what Chase said, and like I said, my list is based on ceiling, and Chase pretty much hit it on the tee. While he does do a lot of things very well, um, I don't think that he is going to be elite in any aspect, or even be close to, or even have the possibility at that. Um, I do have to say that watching his tape, I did enjoy seeing that he—he's definitely the type of guy. He always is trying to be involved in the play, no matter what he tries. He He's always moving, plays to the whistle, that type of guy, but he's just not, like, exciting in one specific aspect.
0: Yeah, and the one thing about this safety class as a whole is there's only three guys that I have that I could see them potentially being elite safeties. However, I think realistically, the chance of them getting there, like, one max, in my opinion. But um, that's how I see it. So, yeah, that's my thought. Uh, Let's talk about Jamar Johnson now. He's my number two. Um, I I feel like I've waited long enough. Sorry, boys. Uh, Guy out of Indiana, I love Jamar Johnson. Uh, I think that he has great acceleration. He doesn't have long speed, so I don't think he can be a true free safety, but his coverage abilities are spectacular. He's got great acceleration, like I said before. Uh, I think he is really good when it comes to blitzing the tack or blitzing the passer. Uh, he's just a guy that I kind of fell in love with. He kind of reminded me of Jeremy Chin, and I remember texting Chase about him. I'm like, "Have you done Jamar Johnson yet? Have you have you graded Jamar Johnson yet?" And he's like, "No, I haven't, but I will." And I'm like, "He's got Jeremy Chin written all over the place for me." So obviously, you didn't see that Chase. He's not on your list, but he's a guy that I absolutely love.
2: Yeah, so I've got him in my honorable mentions. He's my number two honorable mention. And I do want to bring up my one, like my number one honorable mention just like very quickly at the end of it all. Uh, but regardless, you know, like I think he's good. I think he could be a good player. I just, I don't think he does anything dynamic enough where I don't I don't know if he can be like your guy that you trust. Uh, I think he might be better off on a rotation. You know, like what the lines of Will Harris is here. they use him in a rotation, even though he was just, you know, absolutely terrible. Jamar Johnson could be a good player who used in rotation and can be a core special teamer for you. That's kind of what I saw.
1: I have him as my number two honorable or number three honorable mention. I'm sorry. Um, and I like him. Uh, I I don't personally see the Jeremy Chin thing. I love Jeremy Chin. I think Mike knows that. We've talked about him before. My big knock on him is he doesn't necessarily have that like high IQ or play recognition that you're looking for in a safety. And at least I'm looking for a safety. And... He he has decent like even though he isn't super fast he has good range and like especially when, like, when it's sideline to sideline I and, like I think he does that well but when it's actually like when it comes to like moving downfield I don't think he possesses that ability necessarily um, I definitely agree to Chase is more of a rotational guy than if, you know the kind of guy that you want know, every down or even like eighty percent very interesting
0: uh, especially the IQ thing um, when I was watching him. I saw a lot of times he was messing with the quarterback's head, and I would recommend, um, if you haven't already, uh, to watch the Ohio State tape with him because there were so many times that he was disguising what he was actually doing to Justin Fields, and it led to two interceptions by him. Uh, I think that he plays a lot of mind games, and... That's another reason why I love him so much. You guys know that I love getting in people's heads, whether it be uh, we're playing basketball and I get in your head or I'm beating Chase and Chell on Xbox. <laughs> Either way, I'm getting yeah, in your head. That's my
2: main goal. Okay. When's the last time you beat me in Chell? Probably the last time we played. Yeah, because you're too afraid to play me. Chase hey I beat you in Chell? Oh, oh No, this sounds like news to me.
1: No, I remember I had the Maple Leafs and you had uh, the, the Japanese National food.
2: Oh, oh, yeah, Chase, Chase, you're terrible. Right. You're terrible, <laughs> Chase. awful.
1: Couldn't even win with them.
2: Yeah, I, I had a whole international team. You just had some guys, you know, from, from one national team that, yeah, I'm garbage. All right, let's move on. Uh, Chase's last guy, he's
0: also on Alex's list, Jacoby Stevens. Chase, why do you like him?
2: Yeah, so normally I'd let Alec go first since he's ranked higher, but I want to go first anyway because I really like Jacoby Stevens. Uh, he was always listed uh, super heavy at LSU. He was listed as like six one two thirty, which is a borderline uh, linebacker. But he weighed in at the, at the senior bowl at 6'1", 216. Uh, you know, I didn't get to see a, you know, a whole lot like, at the senior bowl stuff. So um, I, I don't really know what, what he did there. So if, if he lost that weight and he got faster, then he could be a, like, a actually dynamic guy at the safety position. You know, one of the few guys from this draft class that could do that. Uh, I just liked what, what, what I saw when I was watching, you know, I thought he was fantastic in the run game. You know, he, he hunted down the running back well. He's strong in tackling. Uh, he's good enough in the pass game. He still needs to continue getting better, but like he's not going to be an absolute liability by any means. Uh, he's someone you're going to need to take a little bit of time with, but I think if you do and, you know, if if he even doesn't work out at safety, you can have him put on another 15, 20 pounds and throw him back at linebacker, and I think you find success there.
1: My thing with him is Mike he's really big on mentality. I absolutely love Jacoby Stevens' mentality. I think he was 100% the leader of the LSU defense. And I just loved watching him play and loved watching him. I felt like he was the one running the defense. And he. I think that if he does end up being a starter, he has uh, kind of like captain mentality. And my biggest knock on him, the reason I didn't have him rank higher is because of the speed issue and because of the weight issue. So, But if he really did take off about 15 pounds and could maybe lose – another, like, 5 to 10, and improve that speed. I agree with Chase that he could be a very dynamic and startable, strong safety in the NFL. Um, and he's, he's definitely profiles more of a run-defending safety uh, as opposed to coverage mainly because of that speed. But he is definitely great uh, at, like, run-defending. Yeah, and I think
0: that's the key to his success is a team has to play him similar to how Cam Chancellor played. Um, If they can do that, that would be awesome. However, the reason he's not on my list is because he lacks that speed. He also kind of lacks the instincts as well when it comes to the coverage game. Uh, I just feel like I don't think liability is the word to use for him. And Chase said he's not a liability. I don't think it'd be liability, like I said, the word to use, but in the next level, if he is to be used in coverage, I think he's going to get burned quite a few times. So I think if you can find the right scheme for him, kind of play a zone scheme where he's going to be around the line of scrimmage more often, then he could find some success. That's fair. All right, let's now move on to my number four uh, before we hit up Alex, last guy. Uh, and this is Andre Cisco out of Syracuse. And this is kind of a boomer bust pick because he is a guy with phenomenal speed, phenomenal athleticism, and he's able to, you know, help in coverage, help, uh, up close to the line of scrimmage, there's some injury concerns as he tours ACL. Um, but if he can get down the mechanics, then I think he could have the highest ceiling in this whole class just because of how explosive he truly is.
2: Yeah, um, I, I I watch Francisco. I got him as an honorable mention here because I had a feeling somebody was going to throw him here. Here's the thing with him. He's an absolute ball hawk, 100. But he truly is irresponsible in coverage. He just finds himself lost way too often. You know, he's got to go to. He can't go to a rebuilding team. Let's put, let's put it this way: if he can go to a team that you know is already strong, especially in their defensive back group, uh, especially in the safety core. And you can use him, uh, you know, kind of as a rotational guy or use him in certain situations. Or if you need him as a starter, if you have, you know, you know, you got a good cornerbacks or a better safety with him, too. And he can kind of play kind of loose because he can uh, have the, you know, the support in case he messes up. Then that's great. But he tries to make the big play too much and it costs him a ton. So I really am not a big fan of that. Um, if he can calm it down, then, you know, maybe he finds some success. But at the same time, if he calms it down, he's
1: not going to have the same effectiveness that he did. I think Chase pretty much took the words out of my mouth. I think that he's—he definitely—he's the kind of guy that overcommits to one one thing, and he definitely is a ball hawk kind of guy. And maybe to his demise, I think he needs to not focus on, like Chase said, not focus on that big play. He needs to focus on being more. I mean, in my opinion, I think safeties are more there to assist the corners in their coverage, not be that person always going for the big play. Um, another thing is. I see him missing tackles um, quite consistently, honestly. And like I've said multiple times today, I'm really big on you know, wrapping up, securing that tackle. Uh, so, that, yeah.
0: The one thing I like in PFF says this right out on front uh, when talking about Cisco is that no safety in this class can match his high-end plays showing that the potential is all there. But then they also say that his low-end plays can be matched by only safeties that will be undrafted. So I understand the inconsistency. I see the high-end talent, though, and think at the next level, if someone takes the time to help develop this kid, the athleticism is off the charts. The high-end plays that we were able to see in his limited time before the ACL injury is is all there. I, I think he can be tremendous. And I have to say... Chris Sims has him as his number one. I'm not going that far, but uh, Chris Sims, he's, he's, I don't know where I put him because he's kind of a clown, but he's got a good history. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I can't agree with his running back takes. Dude. They were bad. They, 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 I truly think that was really, 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 really bad. Yeah. Yeah, I,
0: I see that. Ah, I don't know. Najee Harris kind of doo-doo. Um, but let's talk about Alex. Last guy. This is our Darius Washington out of TCU. Yes, the other tcu cornerback um what do you like about our darius washington
1: all right i will start by saying he is five yeah five seven uh maybe i think he's like five seven and a half maybe five seven three quarters somewhere around there maybe i think watching him he plays bigger he i love his speed uh he could improve as a tackler but for his size, I think he tackles better than a lot of like a lot of other people who would be around his size. Um, I think that he tracks the ball very well. His eyes are always on the quarterback. He knows where the ball is going to be. And obviously, when you're 5'7", seven, you're going to struggle against those bigger receivers. Not even necessarily bigger receivers. Some of those average size receivers. Um, but he's always another thing is he's always at the ball. He's always trying to get to the ball. He. Place to the whistle, um, and I actually do have him ranked higher than Morig, but I think that now that I, I kind of think about it more, it's kind of unfair judging by the fact that he is only 5'7", um, but I, I loved watching him play. I think it's weird seeing a safety at 5'7", but I think he played so well at in being so undersized. He definitely played bigger, but I, it's more, like I said, more of a, a ceiling pick. Uh, I think that if he can improve as a tackler, maybe put on 10 more pounds, something like that, he could, you know, be one of those rotational guys and be solid in the info
2: Yeah, for the names that we talked about today, he's the one I probably watch the least on just because it, it just didn't thrill me. I mean, the size was already a knock, and then watching him play, I just I just didn't see it enough. I really didn't. If you want him to have any success, like, I mean, he's not going to be able to play man coverage. He's going to have to play zone coverage. He's not going to be able to win one-on-one battles. And to be only limited to zone I guess is better than being only limited to man especially with the way the NFL's trending but it's just still just not not enough like size dude like it I hate trying to say the size argument because uh, like I think if you're good enough you're going to win and you're going to like battle you know kind of like Rondale Moore a small dude but I think he's going to have success in the NFL I just don't see the upside of this dude at all come on Chase you're part
0: of short kin gang you're <laughs> shitting on one of your guys yeah I mean <laughs> takes one to no one right Uh, The reason our Darius Washington isn't on my list, to be honest, is his size. Uh, When it comes to his actual playing ability, I liked what I saw. I never really saw him caught out of position. I think he's one of the more instinctive safeties in this class. I think he's pretty good, actually. Um, I'm just concerned about his size. And I know some people were saying, well, Honey Badger came out at 5'8". So what's the big deal? Uh, the big deal is they're different type of prospects. Honey Badger is way better in, when it, in terms of being a prospect. I thought he was way better coming out. Uh, he also had a lot of physicality to him, where I don't necessarily see that with our Darius Washington. But uh, I, I do think that there is some upside. I'm not like Chase. I'm not going to totally write him off. But I think that uh, the size... Could be his downfall at the next level. But we'll move on to my last guy. And then Chase, I know you said you wanted to do an on-roll mention. We'll, We'll fly through these two guys really quickly here, trying to end the show here. Tyree Alepsey is my last guy out of Missouri. Uh, I thought he was just awesome around the line of scrimmage. Uh, he stopped Najee Harris multiple times at like the two-yard line. He's got that aggressive factor. He can lay the boomstick. He's got a great mentality. Uh, he's also solid. He's, he's decent, I'll say, in the coverage aspect. Um, but I think like we were talking about previously, if he can play like a Cam Chancellor-type role, I love that for him. He's got enough speed to be able to, even if he's playing high safety, he can come down and attack the quarterback. I think he's awesome.
2: Yeah, I don't think he has like number one safety ability. Uh, he could be someone, if you need him to play because there's injuries or whatever, like he can go in and do a serviceable enough job. He's not going to, you know, like embarrass you or anything, but he's not going to make enough plays where you're going to want to keep him in. But on special teams, I mean, I think he's going to be a dude and you need special teams players. Special teams players are worth drafting. You know what happens every year? You draft guys that turn into special teams players. You're not always necessarily drafting guys to be special teams guys, but this is a case where he can be a backup safety for you and he can be your best special teamer because I really think he has that kind of ability. And that is extremely valuable for an NFL team.
1: I definitely agree that he definitely profiles as more of a special teamer, mainly because of his tackling ability. Uh, that's definitely up there. He has that. But why I do have one kind of decent-sized knock on him. Sometimes, like... He doesn't look fluid sometimes. Like he's he's great in like defending the run, and like Mike said, at the line of scrimmage, he's solid and like get to the quarterback. But when it when it comes to like when let's say someone like blows by him, sometimes he looks a little shaken and doesn't necessarily immediately like adjust and try to get towards that uh, ball carrier. Okay, I feel that.
0: Well, Chase, let's move into your honorable mention real quick. Um, make it quick. Make it real
2: quick, Chase. Yeah. Real quick. I, it it's super quick, and it's a name that like w- should have been mentioned in the defensive backs. You know, coming into the season, if it wasn't for his horrible play, and that is Sean Wade. And you know, I think a team needs oh. to draft him, and they need to move him to safety. He played corner, and, and he did horrible. When he played as a safety, you know, as as a, I don't remember he's true freshman, retro freshman, whatever it was. Like he, when he played safety, he played really well, and that's what was kind of promising. And people thought he had the size and the intangibles to play corner but apparently he just wasn't good enough. If you move him to safety, he had the success there previously. I think a team can take the time and he can end up being an impactful player. Yeah, he got beat so often this
0: past season. I I, I think if someone mentioned him in their list, I would have trashed on him more than, uh, you know, been in support of him because he was bad this year.
1: Another thing, he always, he looked like he didn't give a shit. He looked like he just did not care about the game of football. He looked like, he was just on the field because they put him out there and did not care about like actually playing his position. And I don't want someone like that on my team.
0: Absolutely. Well, there's our thoughts on the corner and safety position in this upcoming draft. Remember next week we have our 100th episode. It's going to be a big mock draft. We're also going to bring on Chris Brown, a friend of ours. Yes. The rapper, Chris Brown. Um, It's going to be him and us three doing a mock draft. We're very excited for it. We hope you are too. And then only a week after that, we've got the real draft. So it's going to be so exciting. A lot of fun times to be had, but that's it for this episode. If you could, please give us a like, give us a comment, hit the subscribe button and make sure to ring the bell. YouTube will let you know when our newest episodes come out. Uh, If you're listening on a podcast platform, if you could give us a five-star rating and give us a follow, we'd really appreciate that. If you want to stay up to date with all that we do, you can follow us on Twitter at WNP Sports Pod. That's again on Twitter at WNP Sports Pod. And we also have a Facebook and Instagram if you're interested in following us there. Thanks so much for stopping out and taking a listen. As always, we're not professionals.